It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I'm once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, another week coming to an end here, another week of injuries and changes to mess with our fantasy team. Can't say we've ever got a shortage of things to talk about, so how are you feeling after another wild Sunday? Uh, it was a long day yesterday trying to keep track of all the injuries. I Jinx did a week ago talking about how few running back injuries we've had, which uh-huh. this week it was injuries all over the place with every position. We'll talk about some of them today. We'll talk about some of them tomorrow, especially with waivers tomorrow. Today it'll mostly be one or two that I just find interesting how they ended up replacing the player, but probably plenty of news throughout the day of the extent of some of these injuries. We know Tank Dell probably after the season. We Some of them we won't talk about just because it's like Ezekiel Elliott took over for Ramondre Stevenson. He was the running back on every play, and that's the two sentences we have to talk about. So we'll go over some of the more interesting ones today, but I have the recap as always up if you want to read about any of the injuries that happen. Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, that one hurt. Uh, we talked about him a few times in our uh, rushing yards prop um, in DraftKings. He was supposed to go over 60 and a half. It felt like a lock uh, after he had 40 in the uh, first quarter. And uh, yeah, he Ooh. got injured. So um, yes, I appreciate you jinxing the the injured running backs there. Uh, it <laughs> was a quick blow to my my uh, rushing prop uh, bet there, but that's okay. We will survive. Um, but yeah, I got my DeAndre Swift under at least. You did get the DeAndre Swift. Very, very convincingly. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, like Nate said, we're not going to go into every single game um, from this past week, but Nate does have all of the takeaways up on pff.com um, with all of the details from every single game that you can read about for free up there right now. But we're going to go over some of the top takeaways today and before we do um i do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor fabric by gerber life as a parent you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family how to do copious amounts of laundry meal plan for even the pickiest eater and now how to protect your family's financial future fabric by gerber life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs offering high quality term life insurance policies plus another financial other 
financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T Fabric com slash fantasy policies issued by western southern life insurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions all right nate time to rock roll and recap here and we'll kick things off with some key running back takeaways from yesterday's games and we'll start with the jets backfield um there were reports prior to the game that we might see dalvin cook get more work this week that did end up being the case. Um, how much uh, did Dalvin Cook factor into the the Jets' offense here? Um, he did do exactly what they reported. He ran the ball nine times, which is the most that he has run the ball since week one. I led the Jets in rushing yards in this game, but a lot of this kind of made sense to me what the Jets ended up doing at running back. Uh, we had seen from the start of the season, it was Cook and uh, Brees Hall rotating on early downs with Michael Carter taking all of the third down work. Uh, slowly over time, Brees Hall took more and more of the early down snaps, and then they recently released Michael Carter. Um, when that happened, it was Dalvin Cook who became the third down back, which had been a little surprising to me considering Brees Hall is a good receiver, but we have seen Dalvin Cook in his time at Minnesota being every down back, so not Overly surprising that they used Cook on third downs, but this week it kind of flipped off Cook getting a little bit more involved on early downs than what he was doing before, and Brees Hall getting more involved in third downs and passing downs. So um, Hall was able to manage a decent number of receptions a week ago, even though he didn't have the third down role, but he caught the ball a lot in this one. Um, ran the ball 13 times still, so he's still the primary early down back. Only gained 16 yards on those carries, but I think this will end up being more mostly a positive impact on um, Hall's role in the Jets offense just because he should be more consistently seeing targets going forward compared to what he was doing earlier in the season and we know targets tend to be more valuable for fantasy football purposes than carries are so this should be a good move for Hall even though it means Cook is getting more carries. Yeah, it was interesting, right? Like the eight targets for Brees Hall, but yeah, Dalvin Cook getting more carries there. I thought I thought it was interesting too that like Cook didn't necessarily play the the same snap share that he even did last week. He actually played a smaller snap share um, than than the week prior. But essentially, what they said here was that instead of letting like Tim Boyle or, or Trevor Simeon throw the ball on those Dalvin snaps, they were just going to run instead. So um, they're they're still you know not a run heavy team in any in any sense, and and a lot of that has to do with trying to keep themselves in games but there's still at least kind of maybe a, a shift in philosophy there with the given the lack of viable options at quarterback where they maybe do want to run a little bit more and they did run a little bit more than their average coming into the week i think they were 31 percent prior to this week they went up to 35 percent. so not a huge shift but um yeah not necessarily concerned all that much with with Brees hall either but um just maybe a change in how the jets are gonna um game plan here on offense but uh, another interesting situation and one that we've highlighted a few times on this show, uh, on the waiver wire show as well, the, the Houston Texans running back situation, which has been 
very Singletary heavy as of late, but um, Devin Singletary takes just eight carries for 36 yards in the game, while Damian Pierce took 15 carries uh, for 41 yards and a touchdown. Nate, should Singletary managers be concerned with this week's splits? I think so. This was uh, pretty alarming. We saw splits kind of similar to what we were seeing earlier in the season in the backfield. Uh, Damian Pierce ended up playing a little more than half of the early down snaps. So this was what we were seeing out of Pierce just before he suffered the injury of Pierce having that role in Singletary playing the minority of early down snaps. Um, What really worked for Singletary, especially last week, is he continued to have the third down role, which is something that he had early in the season. Then it was Mike Boone taking the third down snaps with Singletary getting more involved on early downs. And then once Pierce came back, um, Singletary was taking the majority of early down snaps and the third down snaps, which led to an 80% snap share last week. But uh, Dara Ogunbale, who has barely played this season, uh, was a factor with the Texans last year. Um, this year, he's really only played in two games prior. Uh, week two, he was the receiving back when most weeks it w- had either been Boone or Singletary. And then week 11, he was on the active roster, uh, ended up doing more kicking than running the ball in that game. But it sounds like he's been doing well enough in practice that they wanted to get him a role in the offense again. So he took over as the third down back, um, also took a couple snaps in short yarded situations, um, caught a 14 yard pass in this one. The Texans haven't done a ton of passing the ball to running backs in general this year, but uh, this is back to being a three man committee in Houston. That's uh, pretty um, hard to get behind in fantasy purposes because of the snap share. But the Texans, I do think they have some decent matchups ahead that you can potentially trust Pierce in the short term for a week or two. But I'm probably not putting Singletary back in fantasy lineups at least this week until unless I see things change again next week. Yeah, it's just too messy to kind of trust right now, especially for Singletary, right? And like week 14 here coming up being such a crucial week for for a lot of fantasy managers trying to get into the playoffs. It feels like a, a situation to avoid here. But yeah, like you said, Damian Pierce, at least, you know, getting some of the goal line work there and then Singletary obviously losing some of that passing down work definitely hurts as well. So I, I don't know, I, I, not a group I'm, I'm going to be overly excited about here going forward and going to try to avoid in fantasy lineups where possible but um one to potentially be more excited about here is uh devin achan returning after giving us a bit of a scare last week in his first week back off injured reserve he he appeared to kind of re-injure his his knee early last week left the game uh and then didn't return after that um but he did put those concerns to rest this week carrying the ball 17 times for 73 yards getting in the end zone twice he also added uh three catches for three yards um nate achan is back in a big way continues to be a fantasy star how are we feeling about him here uh, after this week I mean, only gaining 73 yards on 17 carries when we're used to him <laughs> averaging at least 10 yards per carry each game. That's a little disappointing, true. but um, we did see him back after missing a lot of time recently. Um, he was a star from week three to week five, 455 yards on 37 carries in those three weeks. Um, but we knew he was back. Um, it was still Mostert who was the primary early down back, especially early in the game. Um, the two were kind of used interchangeably, so both early downs, third downs. It was mostly Mostert. Um, he played 19 of 29 snaps in the first half while 
Achan only played 12 snaps out of the 29. So it was still Mostert who's the clear top running back on the team. It was just Miami was blowing um, their opponent out. So the second half, it was mostly Achan throughout the game. Mostert uh, did well in the first half, but the Dolphins were up 31 to 7. So it was a lot of Achan. And it's also worth noting Jeff Wilson Jr., who had a fairly significant role just a week ago when Miami has been down with injuries. But uh, Wilson was only involved late in the game in the fourth quarter, uh, most of his snaps in the last six minutes of the game. And the Dolphins, not just at running back, but quarterback, wide receivers, tight end, largely using backups in the fourth quarter. So Jeff Wilson is now back to being a clear RB3 in Miami. And that's also with uh, Chris Brooks, their undrafted rookie. He's been designated to return from injured reserve. So there is at least a chance Wilson could fall down to fourth on the depth chart since Brooks looked fairly good in his very limited opportunities. So um, while this is still Mostert as the starter and HN as the backup, um, they're facing the Tennessee Titans next week, the New York Jets the week after that, both games that I expect Miami to be able to win fairly handedly. So it could be games like this where Mostert does just fine to start the game. Uh, HN uh, plays a bit in the first half and a lot in the second half, just like this one. So I think both running backs at least for these next two weeks, will be able to be viable fantasy starters. Um, after that, the schedule gets a little bit more difficult, but we'll have two more weeks to see how this backfield shakes up. If Mostert kind of takes a back seat to HN, or if it continues to be this kind of split, but we'll see over the next two weeks of how we can trust the running backs in the fantasy semifinals and finals, but for at least the next two weeks, both should be just fine. Yeah, semifinals, I think it's it's Dallas, and then the finals is uh, the Baltimore Ravens. So tougher matchups there for sure, and we'll, we'll need that Devin A. Chan explosiveness, like you said, to, to kind of come back to factor in against those two tougher defenses. But yeah, like you said, decent matchups here for them going forward in games that they should, they should, they should win comfortably uh, against the Titans and the Jets. And I, I think the positive for me for A. Chan, too, is like, he was involved across the board in like passing situations, short down and distance goal line, you know, early down there, there was no real concerns about him being left off the field in certain situations. So I think that was a nice positive for him is that they're utilizing him in, in all those different scenarios. So um, it, it, if that, you know, overall usage does, you know, shift more in his favor in the next few weeks, then at least we should see him in a lot of different um, getting, getting a lot of different opportunities there that could be valuable for fantasy managers. So really like that um, for, the Miami backfield. Um, all right, let's move to uh, really every fantasy manager's favorite team to discuss and figure out the usage for. It is the Atlanta Falcons, and the topic of discussion for them this week is their backfield. Nate, uh, what did we see from the Falcons running backs here in week 13? We have slowly but seen. Uh, slowly but surely seeing Tyler Algier see fewer snaps as the season's progressed. And it's been something that's really been game script dependent and how the Falcons are doing in general. Uh, we've seen when the Falcons are winning games, uh, Bijan Robinson will play 61 to 72% of offensive snaps uh, because um, they're winning and are running the ball a lot. So they split the workload a bit more where um, when they've been losing games, uh, Robinson's been playing more like 74 to 81% of offensive snaps because they're playing more from behind and Robinson's a better receiving back than Algier. So that's what we had been seeing so far, 
but we saw Robinson take 75% of the offensive snaps in this game. And it was a game that the Falcons were winning and ended up winning the game. So Robinson, even though 75% isn't huge compared to plenty of other games, it is pretty significant considering the game script in this game. So that was big for Robinson to finally be that far ahead of Algier in a winning performance. And then we've also seen Cordell Patterson get more involved. Uh, He saw roughly double the amount of offensive snaps as Algier, which some of that still lined up at receiver when they have two running backs on the field. So uh, Patterson's still playing kind of a dual role of running back slash wide receiver, but he's been running the ball more. Um, Looked fine doing it in general. So um, this has mostly left Algier out of the running back rotation. He was averaging 4.9 yards per carry over the entire year last year. Um, has only had two games this year where he's averaged more than 4.0 yards per carry. Um, the Falcons running backs in general weren't very effective in this game, all three of them. But the upcoming schedule is very favorable for the Falcons running backs in general. So um, earlier I had been thinking that Algier could even potentially be a fantasy starter in some of those matchups because I thought they'd be games where the Falcons are winning the ball, can run the ball well, both running backs could very well see double-digit carries. Now I'm thinking this might be a case where Bijan Robinson is just kind of a league winner in a lot of cases because he's going to be able to take advantage of some of these matchups and Algier might not be able to get as much playing time, even though I could still very well see him getting seven to nine carries in some of those games, but that still might not be enough for you to want to put him in fantasy starting lineups. Yeah, I think that's the that's the thing I took away from this as well is like it's definitely it's been a few weeks. Like you said, there's been a steady decline there that you know, Algier has been like a truly like viable, maybe deeper league flex option there when he was getting at least a decent chunk of the rushing attempts. But th- this one kind of felt like the nail in, in the final nail in the coffin for me here to kind of completely avoid him in, in all league sizes, unless something changes, which, you know, with Arthur Smith and the, this offense, it, we always got to stay on our toes here, but um, at least could be a positive uh, for, for Bijan Robinson going forward, which I think most fantasy managers are hoping for anyway. So we'll see if that uh, remains true here in these final few weeks um all right let's talk about another backfield here and we'll head to the cardinals running backs uh which was led by james connor in his return for pittsburgh to pittsburgh for the first time and coming up with a 105 yard two touchdown performance against his former team nate james connor fulfilled the revenge game narrative this week but uh what did you find worth diving into here this week for the uh, arizona backfield Uh, Yeah, first going back to last week, we saw Michael Carter make his debut with the team, which gave me a little bit of a headache writing the article since first I looked at the running back pie graphs that I always make and it looked like Carter had a very significant role in the offense and then I finally... Uh, thought to look at fourth quarter versus early parts in the game, and then it made complete sense that Carter had just kind of taken over in the fourth quarter uh, with the blowout game that week. So I was interested to see how Carter would get involved this week, and we saw a pretty dramatic change early on because uh, Amari DiMarcato was one of the several players to get injured, um, not one of the bigger names to get injured. So I feel like his name kind of got swept under the rug but he was evaluated for a concussion it was barely early in the game also reportedly had a neck injury from the same play and he did not return to the game um de mercado has uh, pretty consistently been the receiving back for arizona throughout the season uh, james connor earlier in his career uh, with arizona had been in every down back so connor had seen a reduced role throughout the season when Connor's been healthy because he hasn't been playing as much on third downs. 
So it felt like the obvious thing was Carter would play more on third downs after the injury because Carter was consistently the third down back with the New York Jets. But it seems like uh, Arizona kind of used Carter specifically as a backup to Connor. So both running backs ended up seeing playing time on third down. It was a pretty even split between the two. Um, Connor playing more into the two-minute drill. So this injury actually left uh, James Connor playing even more than he typically would which contributed to his revenge game. Uh, the running backs in general didn't really get involved in the passing game too much, but it meant Connor was on the field more than usual. So if DiMarcado ends up missing a game this upcoming week, I wouldn't be surprised if Connor, again, sees a very high majority of the touches, especially with all the injuries they've had at wide receiver. Michael Wilson has missed, I think, three straight games now, and then Marquise Brown suffered an injury this past week. Uh, Zach Pascal missed the game, but that was for the birth of a child. So I would expect Pascal to be back next week. So at least one wide receiver will be returning to Arizona, but they should be pretty reliant on the running backs. And I'd expect Connor to have an even higher floor than usual. And it could also potentially open the door for uh, Michael Carter to get more involved with Arizona next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with De Mercado there if he can get healthy. I know they they got the bye week in in week fourteen here coming up, so he'll have he'll have an extra week to kind of to get healthy if if he can work back into the the backfield here for week uh, fifteen. I guess it'll be yeah week fifteen. My God, um, week fifteen. So, um, but this this was like a really nice thing for for Connor to 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 see right because like you said that that last week was definitely concerning as far as the usage goes i think he played like 40 percent of snaps or something like that only had six carries a handful of targets didn't um didn't do much with them so this was a, a really nice bounce back in the right direction for james connor and hopefully sticks this uh sticks here going forward and it wasn't just the revenge game um as we near the fantasy playoffs but uh staying in the same game uh the home team from that game the pittsburgh steelers running backs uh just love the attention and making us talk about them nate um one week after jalen warren got more touches than Najee harris last week uh that didn't end up being the case this week with Najee taking 16 carries for 63 rushing yards he also added two catches for 14 receiving yards while Jalen Warren gets just nine carries for 59 yards and then adds a catch for negative four yards so what did we see from these uh, Steelers running backs here uh, as far as usage goes in week 13 uh, yeah, we started our running back talk with a report that happened before a game that ended up being very true. And now we'll talk about one that was over a week ago now, but uh, hasn't seemed to be true with uh, Matt Canada getting fired two weeks ago. There were reports that Warren would start seeing more playing time, especially with how well he was playing um, from weeks 9 to 11 before Canada was fired. Warren ran the ball 35 times for 317 yards compared to Harris running 44 times for 186 yards. So it seemed like Warren was on the trajectory to start seeing more playing time. And he continued to be the third down back in this one, but it was really Najee Harris taking everything else. And we have kind of seen over the course of the season, uh, Warren and Harris tended to be pretty similar in, in terms of how many pass routes both players ran each game. Um, some weeks it would be Harris running more, particularly when they were winning games. Some weeks it was Warren running more when they were losing games. And this is one where they were losing, but Harris ended up running more pass routes. So it was more Harris than we're used to. And then similarly, we've seen the two kind of split carries a lot in recent weeks, but Harris ran the ball uh, twice as much as Warren in this game, even though they were playing from behind. So 
Um, it was kind of understandable last week that we saw Harris get so involved because he was playing very well. Harris was uh, the better running back of the two last week, but this week Warren was averaging more yards per carry just on half as many carries. So it's been pretty surprising that Jalen Warren hasn't been as involved in the offense as we kind of expected and based on how well he was playing recently and with the coaching change on offense. So it'll be interesting to see if this running back uh, changes any from what we saw today or if they continue to just like Najee Harris, even though more often than not, Warren's been the better runner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. And, and uh, look, Kenny Pickett's going to be out for a while as well uh, at quarterback. So we'll see how much the the offensive changes, uh, the offense changes again, because um, we haven't really got a full game of Mitchell Trubisky yet this year. He's shown up a, a few times, but nothing as far as um, starting the game and finishing the game goes. So TBD on what the offense can and will do here in the weeks ahead. But like you said, the usage has been kind of changing here for who gets involved more uh, as far as uh, routes run when the team is trailing and, and ahead. So uh just again keeping us on our toes here to, to try to figure out what this usage is going to look like for these final few weeks um all right uh who are the pretenders and who are the contenders we're more than halfway through the nfl season uh but DraftKings sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game new customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get 200 dollars instantly in bonus bets DraftKings isn't stopping there all customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this december um nate we got a couple picks here uh i am becoming an under guy all of a sudden um i've lived long enough to see myself become the villain here as my my over bets have have just barely missed and then obviously the Ramondre stevenson injury uh has hurt me as well so going into monday night football here i am going with the travis etn under 66.5 rushing yards um the jaguars are the lowest graded run blocking offensive line coming into the week with a 48.1 they're generating just 0.8 rushing yards before contact per per attempt which is the second worst mark uh in the league etn the, the last few weeks has been playing 65 percent or fewer of the team's offensive snaps um he was up over 80 percent most of the year prior um and he hasn't exceeded that 66.5 rushing yard total in five of his last six games so i'm going with the under and we'll see how it uh if that if my my luck can change here uh going forward how, how you who you've taken that for tonight's games I'll stick with the Jaguars, and I will go with Evan Ingram, uh, over 44.5 receiving yards. It was 45.5 when we started the show, but luckily I refreshed my page and and went down a yard. But um, he's been over that mark for the majority of games this season, has been very consistent in terms of how many targets he sees. It's been either seven or eight targets in all but three games this season. One game it was more, two games it was less than that, so... Very consistently getting the ball thrown his way. And he is going up against a Bengals defense that has allowed a ton of receiving yards to tight ends over the past couple weeks. Um, since their week seven bye week, uh, week eight, they faced George Kittle, nine receptions, 149 yards. Uh, week nine, it was Dalton Kincaid, 10 receptions, 81 yards. Uh, the week after that, Dalton Schultz, uh, just four receptions, but for 71 yards. Uh, week 11, uh, Mark Andrews, that was the game he got injured, uh, got to 23 yards on just four pass routes. So had he played the entire game, I would have guessed that he'd get at least 44.5 yards. Uh, then last week, Pat Fryermuth had his breakout game, nine receptions, 120 yards. So every tight end that they have faced since their bye week, that's at least stayed healthy for the entire game, uh, well over that 44.5 yard 
mark, most of them double that mark. So uh, considering how much Ingram is typically targeted, uh, the Jaguars are expected to win this game by a lot, which probably means by the second half they'll be running the ball more, but they will be doing a lot of passing to get that big lead to start the game. So I'd expect Ingram to be plenty involved and ideally will hit that mark relatively early in the game so you won't have to sweat it out for the rest of the game. Awesome. Um, all right, get in on the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code PFF. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's pick things back up with some wide receiver news and one that is a huge bummer and a massive blow to fantasy teams as rookie sensation Tank Dell of the Houston Texans breaks his fibula as he gets rolled up on uh, and he'll be done for the rest of the fantasy season as a result. So Nate, this one sucks. Obviously, um, Dell didn't record any stats in this game. So what did the Houston wide receiver rotation look like uh, with Dell out of the game? Yeah, I will also talk about what it looked like before the injury, just because we've talked about the Texans wide receivers a couple of times. And I have mentioned more than once that the Texans hadn't had all of their wide receivers healthy since week one. It had always been one of either Tank Dell, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, or Robert Woods that was out with injury. And it was consistently one of them. And all four of them had missed some time, but we did have for three glorious drives, all four of those wide receivers healthy. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, their sixth round wide receiver. He was a healthy and active for this game. That's how much they trusted their wide receivers to stay healthy for this game. They only had five wide receivers on the active roster. Um, so over those three drives, they ran 11 personnel for seven plays. Uh, Nico Collins and Tank Dell were consistently on the field, which was great to see since I was worried we might see a little bit of rotation and 11 personnel with them all healthy. But Robert Woods was a little surprisingly playing most of that work over Noah Brown, took six of the seven snaps, which that changed over the rest of the game. But then uh, they ran 10 plays out of 21 personnel. It was Noah Brown and Nico Collins. So Tank Dell kind of saw a reduction in playing time, um, mostly in run situations, but it was still slightly surprising to see. Um, the team was not using 12 personnel. They have a number of injuries at tight end, so didn't end up using 12 personnel. I think at all in this game, they may have later in the game, but um, after the injury, then they were back down to their three uh, top wide receivers being healthy. And this is probably what I expect the rest of the season. We saw uh, Nico Collins and uh, Noah Brown take basically all the snaps in 11 personnel. Uh, Robert Woods was the one getting rotated out, which was a little surprising considering he seemed to be the main guy to start the game. But it was Woods and John Mechie kind of rotating in and out a lot in 11 personnel. And then kind of a mix in 21 personnel that remained to be Noah Brown and Nico Collins primarily as the players. Robert Woods mixing in a little bit there. 
So it looks like going forward, Nico Collins will be the clear top guy for Houston, but I believe Noah Brown will be the number two guy for the rest of the season, playing consistently in both 11 personnel and two wide receiver sets. Um, Brown missed a couple weeks recently with injury, but he did have those back-to-back 150-yard games not that long ago. Um, Didn't get too involved in this game, two targets, no receptions, but this game was just throw the ball to Nico Collins over and over, and it was working all the time, and a little bit of throwing to the tight end, but uh, throwing to Nico Collins was working, then fine with that. Um, so Noah Brown, we'll talk about him again tomorrow, but I think he's going to be, uh, he should be a top waiver wire ad at wide receiver. Um, over the next four weeks, they have two games against the Jets and the Browns, which are two of the best teams at preventing fantasy points to wide receivers. But they also have two games against the Tennessee Titans and the Titans among the top teams at allowing fantasy points to wide receivers. So I think um Noah Brown can probably be a fantasy starter for two of the next four weeks and have potentially have really big games considering how well he was playing just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I like it. It was just, again, it was a big Nico Collins week. Uh, obviously he had the, the season high 40% target rate in there, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not shying away from, from Noah Brown. I know that, you know, there's zero catches um, in this game is obviously not ideal, but there's definitely, we've seen it, time and time again with this offense there's room for a second receiver um to eat here um and now with tank dell out maybe it's brevin jordan or or dalton schultz but i'm not shying away from noah brown because of the numbers in this game um there could absolutely be an opportunity for him in the weeks ahead and like you said played 86 percent of the snaps on the day so he is kind of that clear um next man up here uh in houston Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. All right, let's talk about Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans. Um, he hasn't played since week nine, but returned to the lineup again um, because he, he had even missed a chunk of time earlier in the year as well. So back in again, didn't record a single target in this game. So how involved was uh, Traylon Burks in terms of snaps in, in his first game back, Nate? Um, he was really eased into action, only played 10 offensive snaps after missing six of the last eight games. Um, this was a little surprising to me considering they made Kyle Phillips a healthy and active for this game. Uh, Phillips is someone who's kind of been their primary slot receiver over the last two seasons whenever he's been healthy. It's just Phillips has been out with injury a lot. So Phillips had been rotating in a lot in 11 personnel specifically. So it was a little surprising to see both Phillips inactive as well as Traylon Burks not seeing as much playing time as usual. usual. So this left uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Nick Westbrook, 
Akine and Chris Moore, who all three of them kind of rotate in and out a lot and had been rotating in and out a lot with Kyle Phillips as well. So it left all of the wide receivers not always seeing a ton of playing time compared to wide receivers on other teams, but this left those three as a clear top receivers. So DeAndre Hopkins, someone who has been rotated out a lot, specifically in run situations, he was playing a lot more this week than he had been the previous two weeks or a lot of other games this season. Um, Hopkins has fairly consistently been leading the team in receiving yards, caught five passes for 75 yards, but this meant he was on the field a little more often. So it'll be interesting for me to see um, what the Titans do going forward if Traylon Burks ends up getting more playing time because at this point uh, he really hasn't done much this year when even last year it wasn't a whole lot that we saw out of the former first-round pick. But also if Kyle Phillips continues to be inactive or if this was just a one-week thing, if there was something going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about, but he was not on the injury report at all this week, and I have not read anything specifically on him, but um, he was just a couple weeks removed from having back-to-back games with over 60 receiving yards, so that's partially what made it so surprising that Phillips was inactive for this game. Yeah, really interesting, um, especially the Kyle Phillips being a healthy scratch. I, I'm not sure exactly what was going on there, but I mean, I guess like with this usage, usage like Traylon Burks, like you said, former first round pick, um, really being eased in here, obviously coming off injury. But do you have like a preference for a wide receiver two here in Tennessee for the for these final few weeks of the year? Because we saw Nick Westbrook Akina played 90 percent of snaps, Chris Moore 65 65 percent. So. Does any are do you are do you want any of these guys here rest of season outside of DeAndre Hopkins? Uh not any of the wide receivers outside of Hopkins, but there is someone that we will talk about a little bit later that is going to be someone that is a little bit more exciting for Tennessee. Nice. Yeah, very excited to talk about that. Um, all right. Uh, one more wide receiver who had a relatively fine day on the score sheet. Um, three catches, 56 yards. DJ Chark of the Carolina Panthers. Um, Nate, what's the word over there with his usage in Carolina? Uh, yeah, so we had Frank Reich get uh, fired this past week. So we knew that there could be some changes for Carolina. Um, DJ Chark is someone who, over the course of the season, there's been a few weeks where he just saw big playing time decline. It was often with him rotating in and out with Terrace Marshall, but Marshall the past three weeks has been inactive, and typically in the past it's been an injury that's led Chark to not see as much playing time. But Chark was not on the injury report at all this week, but he was still rotating and in and out with uh, Mike Strachan, who um, had one big play a couple weeks ago, but he was someone who was getting elevated off the practice squad, uh, but had finally been signed to the 53-man roster. So he's going to be a consistent part of the Panthers' offense going forward. And even Amir Smith-Marset was one of the players rotating in and out in the three wide receiver sets. It was still Adam Thielen, who was almost never leaving the field. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, who set career highs in receiving yards, uh, receptions, and targets. Um, he was rarely leaving the field, so it was really a three-man rotation between three other players. So kind of excited to see Mingo these past two weeks really start to get more involved in the offense after still playing over 90% of snaps every game, but just not seeing many targets. But um, Shark is someone who played less than 50% of snaps. First time he's done that in a game where he's presumably been healthy over the past two seasons um, is just on the one-year contract in Carolina. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is his only year with the Panthers. 
Yeah, season low snap share, like you said, 40% of snaps this past week. But yeah, at least a positive for for Jonathan Mingo because um, second week in a row now that he's led the team in receiving yards. So um, good to see there for the rookie. Um, all right, Nate, you've saved the best for last here. Uh, it is our lone t- tight end takeaway, and it brings us back to Tennessee's offense and a player who is finding himself back on the fantasy radar in recent weeks. It is the very exciting Chigazim Okonkwo. Nate, tell us about the upward trend uh, that has continued here for our guy. Yeah, with all the injuries in the league, this was at least a big day for those preseason tight end hype players. Even uh, Albert O with the Philadelphia Eagles took over as the primary receiving tight end for the team, even though Dallas Goddard probably will be back soon. And Albert didn't see any reason or didn't really do much in the passing game. So it might just be a one week thing. But also, we saw Chigazima Kakwo get three uh, receptions for 62 yards, season highs for him. Uh, he saw more playing time in this week compared to previous weeks because uh, Josh Wiley, who's their fifth round rookie tight end, uh, the past couple weeks was getting more involved in the passing game, but he left the game late with an injury as well, which was a little bit overshadowed because he left the game pretty much around the same time that Derrick Henry was leaving the game. But uh, Wiley left with a knee injury and was quickly ruled out, so I haven't seen anything recently with the injury, but considering how quickly they said that he wasn't returning to the game, that tends to not be a great sign. So it's really been uh, Conquo and Wiley kind of competing for the same snaps in 11 personnel and 12 personnel uh, against their run-blocking tight ends. So I would expect Conquo to get most of the snaps back from Wiley, assuming Wiley misses time. And considering Conquo has been more involved in the passing game recently, um, the combination of more receiving work and more routes run could lead him to finally be the player that we were hoping to see at the beginning of the season. And two of their next four games against the Houston Texans, uh, they'll need to throw a lot in those games. And the Texans have allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends this season. So it's not just that he's seeing his best receiving work so far of the season and the injury to Wiley, but also at least in two of the next four weeks, he has a very, very favorable matchup for him. So um, he's on the waiver wire list at tight end. It's kind of a mix and match of what weeks you need a tight end. Uh, determines which tight ends you want to target off the waiver wire, but I think he is one of those tight ends that are definitely in the mix if you're looking for a tight end at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope this is a sign of things to come here. I know even, uh, I think Thomas wrote him up as um, uh, like a sleeper tight end for this week. We talked about him a little bit on the, the preview show. We talked about him on the waiver wire show last week. So Things are trending in the right direction for Chico Conquil. I really hope this is something that sticks this time and, and he's not just like giving us hope for, for next season kind of thing. Because, um, yeah, over the last two weeks, two, uh, 2.61 yards per route run, uh, which is third among tight ends who have run at least 25 routes. Um, it's a small sample size. Obviously, it's just two weeks, but uh, still some positives there for, for Oconquo. Um yeah, he's behind only Pat Fryermuth and Sam Laporta in that regard. So we'll see. Uh, there's, there's, again, not a ton of receiving options there in Tennessee, so he can certainly kind of emerge there as an option as he has the past few weeks. But, um, yeah, Nate, that's pretty much going to do it uh, for our weekly recap. Um, again, for people listening or watching, if there was something that you hoped we would cover from yesterday's games but didn't, um, you can definitely find that over on PFF.com in Nate's game-by-game write-ups. Um, you could go check those out now. Uh, Nate, what else would you have up on the site for uh, the good folks uh, this week? 
Yeah, so along with the recaps where I covered all the injuries that happened in all of those games, also have the waiver wire article, which I would say right now is a draft of the article that's up considering how many injuries occurred since right now, like the top couple running backs, the top couple wide receivers are all based on injuries and knowing the extent of those injuries will play a big factor and uh, how much to value some of those players. But we will talk about all of that tomorrow. Hopefully we get enough information about those players that will be pretty set on the order of players, at least by tomorrow. Um, also tonight with the Monday Night Football game, I will have the recap up immediately after the game. I uh, will be writing my rest of season rankings, which this will probably be my last rest of season rankings because once we only have two or three weeks, it doesn't make quite as much sense to have that article. But we'll have rest of season rankings up tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we'll also have my normal rankings up on the website and then the following day have that in article form and starts it on Thursday as usual. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that. And again, thank you all uh, for tuning in. Please don't forget to, to like and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate that. Um, also, a massive thank you to the PFF Data Collection team. We know there is no better team in all of the multiverse. Just continuing to crush it here into December. College football winding down as well. This group never lets us down. So huge shout out to those guys and gals who are absolute rock stars. And for us, we will be back tomorrow talking top waiver wire targets. So good luck with your Monday night football matchups tonight. And until next time, peace out.